Up next on the Common Free Podcast, author of Sleep Your Way to Success and meditation expert, Kurshad Batlivala. When you say that science and spirituality are synergistic, and unfortunately science is being preferred over spirituality, you are taking one side of the coin and disregarding the other. Because no true scientist can ever not be spiritual. You're listening to The Calm and Free Podcast with your host, Pooja Model. In this podcast, we deliver timeless wisdom to help you calmly pursue your greatest self and a life of meaning in an ever-changing, fast-paced world. Welcome to The Calm and Free Podcast. Kushet Batlivala fondly known by the nickname Baba, is a renowned speaker, meditation expert, and author of the new book, Sleep Your Way to Success. After speaking with him, I found him to be beautifully wise, jovial, and a witty teacher, not surprisingly beloved by so many. He has decades of experience teaching with the Art of Living, an organization founded by spiritual leader Gurudev Sri Sri Ravi Shankarji, a volunteer-based humanitarian organization with centers in more than 156 countries. This was a beautiful and fun conversation I am so grateful to have had and to share with you now. You will hear him talk about the profound connection between spirituality and science and how the scientists in ancient India were also saints. He says spirituality answers the question, who are you? Whereas science answers the question, what is this? He also provides a beautiful response to the question of why he meditates 90 minutes every day. Listen through to the end to hear it all. If you've been enjoying these episodes, please text or email today's episode to someone you love and tell them to subscribe so we can continue to share these life lessons on finding calm and redefining success with many more people. Without further ado, Kurshed Batlivala. So you have studied mathematics at IIT, and uh-huh. soon after that, you experienced meditation, and you realized that you wanted to teach meditation so people could be happy as opposed to teaching mathematics to make people miserable. (laughs) I loved reading that. My maths classes are quite interesting as well. (laughs) People are not miserable in my maths class either. (laughs) I I don't doubt it. And you are a polymath of sorts. You know, it seems that you love music, classical music. You're a foodie. You love long walks. You're passionate about the environment. And, and of course, you're a renowned uh, speaker on, on TEDx stages all over India. And, and I truly loved this book, uh, Sleep Your Way to Success. Um, and, and, you know, I've heard you talk about how our species is really the only species on the planet Earth that willingly deprive ourselves of sleep. And, and, and how... How crazy is that when we could bask in the glory of being human, as you say, but instead, because we're not sleeping, we're dull, we're restless, we're anxious, we are fearful. You also go on to say that people walk around jet lagged 
they don't know that their sleep is compromised. And it's interesting, when I first started meditating, I was falling asleep while I meditated. And that was my first sign to me that I was sleep deprived. But for people who don't meditate, what can you say to people about some of the signs or what they can do to better understand that they might be sleep deprived, but they don't know it? So that is the problem with uh, sleep deprivation that the person who is sleep deprived doesn't know it. Your body just copes and copes and copes and copes. And sometimes it goes into something called a micro nap where you kind of, you know, just fall asleep for two, three seconds. And uh, it can be funny, embarrassing, but it can also be very dangerous, especially if you're driving. <laughs> so, you know, uh, drunk driving causes so many accidents, so many problems. But drowsy driving causes four times more wow. people falling asleep at the wheel. In fact, uh, one of our friends, one of my friends in Germany died in a car crash because a truck driver hit his car and the truck driver had fallen asleep on the, on the wheel. So it can be quite tragic. And this is the thing. When you are sleep deprived, you don't know you're sleep deprived. And... Uh, many people say, oh, I can get by with four hours, five hours of sleep. No, there's no problem. You don't know there is a problem. That's the problem. Yes. So sleep science says that at a minimum, all of us require eight hours of sleep opportunity every night. And if we are physically active, you know, if you're doing some gymming, we're exercising, we're doing some sports, something like that, then you may require more. But Otherwise, as a baseline, people require eight hours of sleep. Of course, children require much more. You know, you talked in your book about the importance of being in rhythm with the planet, with our environment, with the circadian rhythms of the sunset, of the sunrise. I would love to hear from you, your personal routine that con connects you to these rhythms. And you spoke about groundedness a little bit in your book as well, the walking um, barefoot and such. Could you share with us what your daily routine is? <laughs> it varies, but I always have my meals more or less on time. I ensure that I meditate an hour, hour and a half every day. I ensure that I sleep eight hours every night. Uh, and I ensure that I get at least a little bit of exercise, even if it is just walking. Though it's nice to do stretching and, you know, some sort of weight sometimes. Like today, I, I'm in Rishikesh right now on the banks of the Ganga. So I just had a lovely evening walk. I watched the sunset and then I took a long walk and I came back. So Beautiful. it's yeah. very good for sleep because it gives very good signals to the brain that the day is turning towards night. So I remember with my mom and dad, when I was very young, we used to go to Shivaji Park in, in Bombay to watch the sunset over there. It, it's, it's a beach. And uh, now I watch it whenever I'm in Rishikesh. And I thank, thankfully, we are in Rishikesh quite often now because we teach the craniosacral therapy course over here and the advanced meditation course of the art of living we teach over here. So... 
every evening you know we ensure that we spend at least an hour on the beach of the ganga watching the river watching the sunset that makes a lot of difference to the way you know you get sleep and and your entire well-being really yes absolutely it's beautiful and with us living in these dense urban cities with all the light and our inability to watch the sunset is harmful um in in so many ways i'd like to talk a little bit about your philosophy too you are someone who really delves into the ancient wisdoms of of the rishis and i want to say uh, a quote that you you said in a video that i watched of you india is the only civilization in which science and spirituality are were never at loggerheads with each other in fact all were scientists and saints they knew uh, that to go our, outside you had to go yeah, inside all our, all our scientists were saints all were saints were yeah. saints science is going outside spirituality is going inside Yes. This is the most important message India has for the world. I found that incredibly profound and and you went on to say that the rishis knew through meditation the soil on the the moon, the yeah. color of it. They knew that the earth was round and this was centuries prior to the discoveries um we hear about in the west. Can you expand on this power of meditation that these rishis had and why we are in the situation where we are valuing science over spirituality when they are truly synergistic? Well, see I'm not not an expert on ancient history. Uh I just it's a hobby, it's something I love reading. But I have seen enough in my own life when I'm, you know, as I meditate how things are so somehow obvious to me and other people don't see it yes you know yes and uh, it is not so much of a stretch of imagination for me to to understand that these people definitely had some very interesting abilities in fact uh, a few years ago in our bangalore ashram there was this man he had come his name is adunik bhim you can google him also if you want uh so this guy adunik bhim he must be mm -hmm. pushing 55 at least is well built huge guy and uh, he did some incredible physical feats uh, you know he he crushed glass with his hands and i mean he did it right in front of us but those were still all right what was most intriguing and amazing and i was part of the experiment there was that he could stop his heart for over 3 minutes like he invited me to put my hand on his chest and said there is no heartbeat can you feel my heartbeat and i couldn't feel the heartbeat you know so uh though it sounds like science fiction i have actually seen this and experienced it and so i guess with enough discipline with enough time with enough focus uh the secrets of creation could be revealed just through meditation and you're right when you say that science and spirituality are synergistic and unfortunately science is being 
preferred over spirituality and that's just a very uh, myopic view uh, where you are taking one side of the coin and disregarding the other because no true scientist can ever not be spiritual spirituality is the journey of insight when you when you are exploring the outside surely you are curious about who you are so spirituality answers the question who are you whereas science answers the question what is this and i think both of them are very close to each other yes it's it's beautifully said and as you know albert einstein was mm. was incredibly spiritual in yeah. in the way he thought about the complexity of of the problems and the problems that he wanted to solve and i wanted to go back on on touching on your idea of how we've put more value into science and it is indeed linked to this idea that success is defined by our external external measures of material wealth or status or fame and that obviously you have talked a lot about in the book and uh the idea is for us to redefine success not internalize society's definition of success and you've talked to thousands and thousands of people especially young younger people who have a harder time understanding what success is to them and thus they get into these uh cycles of of uh sleep deprivation, thinking that the less they sleep, the more successful they will be. What is your advice to them in terms of defining success in a healthy way? And what is your current definition of success? Success is different for everybody. And my invitation to everybody is you define it. For some people, it can be materialistic. It can be, I want X amount of money in the bank. For other people, it could be health. For other people, it could be health and money. For others, it could be fantastic relationships, right? So different people have different parameters by which they define success. And that's what we have done in the book. We have allowed people the freedom to create their own uh, blueprint of success. And the great part is it doesn't matter what the blueprint, what success looks like to you, the path towards it is more or less the same, which is what the second part of the book is all about. As far as my definition of success is concerned, <laughs> happy, healthy, wise and wealthy. There you go. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Perfect. I, I also want to lastly touch on something that you so brilliantly um, uh, indicated in the book and 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 crafted this idea of action addiction and i've never seen it talked about in this manner you talk about the addiction to busyness and oh. you connected to dopamine hits so oh. the reason why we are in these cycles of getting things done having a, a list of to do's being on our phone, checking our emails, so much of it is because we actually get the dopamine reward from it. Can you expand on the addictive nature of these small, useless activities that we involve ourselves every day that are purposeless 
meaningless and don't provide us with the inspiration, the juice we need to live a glory, a life of glory that we we really should be living. See, dopamine is a is a hormone which the brain releases whenever something is done, and there are other parameters as well. Like uh, gambling produces dopamine when the result is not sure, it's not certain, and there are odds, and that produces dopamine. And then if you get the result, you get even more dopamine. So just think about it this way. Then you know if you have posted something on Instagram, and then you are going to check. Five minutes later, how the post is doing. So you don't know whether you're going to have a few likes on it or not, right? So that's your dopamine kick there. And then you look at it and and you see, oh, I've got twenty three likes. Oh wow! And that's another dopamine kick. Yeah. Right. And and so you want that again. So in a few minutes again, you check, and now the twenty three likes have gone to twenty eight likes. And so, oh, it's growing, and it's another dopamine kick. And this kind of cycle of addiction is created in doing i wouldn't say it's purposeless you are having fun uh, but it is trivial and it is pedestrian and the point is that it is taking you away from what you truly want in life so having the ability to use this brain chemistry to your advantage is a great skill and again we have Touched upon it uh, quite uh, in quite deep, quite amount of detail in in the success part of sleep your way to success. Yes, yes. I want to finish by um, reading you a quote from this book dedicated to Gurudev: "The one who awakens us by making us close our eyes." And I have underlined it here. It is most profound and most important for our life. What has meditation done for you and how has it awakened you and awakened your life? Anything and everything good. Yeah. Because of meditation. Even pizza tastes better after meditation. (laughs) So it makes you meditation. (coughs) Excuse me. Meditation enhances your senses. So you get more juice out of life. You get more enjoyment out of everything you do. It creates tremendous health benefits. You you feel younger. You look younger. uh, Even biologically, if you check, you, you have not aged as much as you should have if you meditate on a very regular basis. Uh, I mean, if you just Google benefits of meditation, yes. it will give a yeah. million pages, right? Yes. But for me, this is, I have, I have had much better health. I have been able to cope through the darker periods of my life much better. Uh, I am a very emotional person and <clears throat> meditation has allowed me to enjoy the emotions and not get swept away by them. I'm not saying I have become like some logical machine. I still have emotions. I still get angry. I still cry. I still laugh. uh, You know, I still feel hurt. All that happens. But um, bitterness is not there. Wisdom comes. You have an emotional upheaval. You don't blame the person. You just say, okay, 
you taught me something thank you and you move on yes. you know so you become much stronger much more stable much more centered and you can therefore enjoy life so much more beautiful thanks for listening friends and i hope you enjoyed that very special conversation you can learn more about baba and his teachings by visiting his website baba and dinesh dot in we'll put the link in the show notes and also put all of his social channel links in the show notes as well wishing you all a great week ahead next up we'll be talking to luke burgess author of the book wanting you really don't want to miss this one where we investigate why we want what we want and how to free ourselves from wanting what's unfulfilling if you love episodes like this one and want to learn more about how to find calm in your life and the freedom to be your best, join my newsletter over on LinkedIn and at our website, calmandfreepodcast.com, or visit our social channels. Thanks as always to Charlene at GoTo Productions and Jessica Panion for art design. Please email or text this episode to someone you love.